0: It's a Wednesday, that means only one thing, it's time now for Supernatural News and Paris share on the best in paranormal podcasting. This is Darkness Radio, I'm your host Tim Dennis, in with us for a second day in a row is the co-hostess with the mostess, it's Mallie Fox. Hey Mallie, how you doing? I'm good, thank you again for having me, I appreciate it. Well, thank you for being here, we appreciate you being here. We got a big day today Mally, we're going to jump right into it right away. Lots of big stories on the big show today. Um... Of course, we're going to start off with UFO stuff. We got a couple of AI stories for you, a little bit of nightmare fuel for you today. And we have some unusual stories as well. We got a little bit of Loch Ness. We got a little bit of Bigfoot. And we've got an unusual story today that sounds like it's straight out of a pulp novel. It's one of our last stories today, Mel. We'll be talking about how doctors injected dogs and rabbits with bacteria from an assassinated U.S. president in a bizarre autopsy experiment. Did you get all that on the first try?
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: (laughs) I tell you, sometimes you just run into the weirdest stories. (laughs) If you got all that, then by gosh, we can begin the program. Uh, we'll okay. start. Yep,
1: <laughs> and even if you didn't, we'll just. Get <laughs> this is out gonna be a program. doozy.
0: <laughs> That's right. It's gonna be a doozy today. We'll start off with the uh, jellyfish UFO video. That was all the talk and all the rage last week. The Pentagon has issued a statement, Mal, about this jellyfish UFO video. I'll show you a picture of what this thing was. This is what appeared on video last week.
1: Okay. Yeah,
0: it kind of uh, had this little luminous uh, floaty thing. The, the Pentagon took a look at it and said, hey, wait a minute, kids. Uh, even though that got released to the public and they got a look at it and said, hey, that's got to be a UFO. The Department of Defense said, well, wait a minute, not so fast. Here's our statement. The intriguing video, which shows a supposedly cloaked, jellyfish-shaped object moving over a U.S. military base, was captured on thermal imaging camera. It gained traction when UFO investigator Jeremy Corbell, who maintained that someone in the military had taken a great risk to get him that footage, shared it online earlier this month. It goes over a body of water, he said at the time. I'm told it stops on a dime, descends stiff into the water, and for 17 minutes, nothing, and then boom! Boom! This thing comes out of the water and shoots off at 45 degrees. That's pretty incriminating right there. (laughs) Tell you that. Now, in a further development to the story, a spokesperson for the Department of Defense, Sue Gao, has come forward to issue an official statement in response to questions regarding the video. Are you ready for the official comment, Mally? It's quite unreal.
1: Is it a balloon again? well
0: not not quite that exciting okay she says we do not comment on the authenticity of alleged dod material that may have been leaked (laughs) how (sighs) underwhelming is that exactly yeah there's a little bit more to it she says dod takes public interest in unidentified anomalous phenomenon seriously and is committed to openness and accountability to the american people Do you feel that? That's her stroking the American public right now. I'm just saying. (laughs) The commitment must be balanced with the department's obligation to protect sensitive information sources and methods, Sue went on to say. She also said the statement has been, well, they're saying the statement has been hailed as a possible sign that the video may be authentic. So there's hope yet, Mal. Uh. There's hope yet. Um, Ross uh, Coltart who is the News Nation special correspondent, says, I must say it's very revealing for what it doesn't say, that statement. He also says it doesn't reveal a categorical denial. Well, it doesn't say a lot either in the other respect. She could have said,
1: that's a goddamn UFO! (laughs) Could you imagine if they had a press conference and they said that? We're going to be honest now. That's a goddamn UFO.
0: (laughs) I'll be honest with you real quick.
1: That's a goddamn UFO. Or if they're going to give their notice, they're quitting. They're just going to let it all out. Just vomit it all out. All the truth of the videos, prior videos.
0: I would love it if they just uh, got to the podium and said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're uh, what's the word I want to use here? We're fucked. We're fucked. (laughs) Boy, are we fucked. F-U-C-K. Mm. Uh, or uh, in the government, we have a different level of fucked. It's two Ks. There's two Ks in the word. No Cs because we're seeing our way out of this podium right now and going to a bomb shelter.
1: They make it like a three-syllable word. Yes. Fuck. <laughs> oh, okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that would be eye-opening and refreshing. <laughs> Well, if you uh, want
1: to go viral, do that.
0: Yeah, but I don't think we're getting that either. Hmm. Mm -hmm. It's the last resort of governments and intelligence services when they don't want to answer a question, our News Nation correspondent Ross Coltart went on to say. Essentially, it's neither confirm nor deny. I think he's getting a little too excited over that. I don't know what you think, Mel. Do you think he's being a little too excitable about that statement?
1: If that's his his excitement, oh boy. (laughs) hate to be the wife. (laughs)
0: Right, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, honey, I'm neither confirming nor denying that you're excited here, but uh, I think we've made some progress. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't tell our therapist. Just um. saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meanwhile, rumors are circulating that the James Webb telescope has discovered life on another world. Okay. Yeah. This is kind of an exciting story that came out midweek last week. It's just that they don't want to release or confirm those results. This is a quote, a direct quote from uh, a source that we're not going to (laughs) name. Evidently, I don't know. Um, It's just that they don't want to release or confirm those results until they can be entirely sure. We found a planet that seems to be giving off strong signals of biological life.
1: Well, if you don't want to confirm or deny, why even put it out there? That's like those people with Facebook posts. I can't tell you what it is but please send your prayers (laughs) (laughs) to me you know what i mean you're like why why then why put it out on social media if you can't tell me what the issue is why are we doing this
0: that's true yeah yeah so what
1: these people can't confirm or deny until we get more information then why put it out there maybe we need your thoughts
0: and prayers to confirm that there's life on other planets yeah that'd be nice Ars Technica reports that the persistent rumor that the James Webb Space Telescope has found a planet with strong signs of life has recently hit a new high among the scientific community. A lot of hype may be overblown, but at the very least, the speculation reflects the Space Telescope's extraordinary promise in the field of exobiology though a nasa official told ours that no definitive evidence has been found so far they acknowledge the possibility of a huge discovery on the horizon that sorry folks would take years worth of follow-up research to confirm yeah
1: so why even tell us
0: yeah i think i have a sound effect for that too it's this
1: (laughs) sorry guys it
0: is anticipated that JWST observations may lead to the initial identification of potential biosignatures that could make habitability more or less likely for a given exoplanet. That's according to Nicole, who spells her name very interesting with a KN. The K is silent. <laughs> oh, yeah. But how do you feel about that, Nally?
1: I don't think I like that.
0: You don't like the Nicole with a KN?
1: It's not very feminine.
0: No, it's not. It's it's going hard in the paint, as we like to say in basketball <laughs> terms. The Nicole with a KN. Nicole Cologne is her name. That's a hard name, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Nicole with a KN Cologne?
1: Well, Cologne isn't KN, is it? No, no. Or or with the, a K. It's <laughs> a, a C.
0: <laughs> right? With a KN at the end. No, but it has the little uh, accent over the O. So oh, that, she's
1: getting fancy.
0: Yeah, so that you don't say N- Nicole colon.
1: <laughs> <So, laughs>
0: So, oh, so she makes.
1: and you hate me.
0: I know she is. Yeah.
1: And she's gonna CC
0: me on it. She is. Yes. Well, she's gonna get a hold of one of us. Uh, evidently, oh. she's the James Webb's deputy project scientist for exoplanet science. So we better not mess around with her. Otherwise, we're yeah. not getting press releases. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and we don't need any uh, men in black showing up at my door.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, she told ours future. Or she told ours that future missions will be needed to conclusively establish the habitability or I like to say habitability because mm-hmm. people get
1: habitability,
0: habitability because pe- it's
1: like that commercial for is it liberty mutual where he's like yes.
0: have you seen the one with the baby I love that one uh-uh.
1: the, you haven't seen the one with the baby yet I don't think so is it a newer one
0: yes yes there's a little baby in the in the baby that, that goes <laughs> <laughs> no I haven't seen and the mom has taught the little baby how to say liberty Oh, uh, uh, I haven't seen it yet. And the baby just keeps going, <laughs> Oh, it's cute. It's, it's the cutest one ever. I like the one, too, where the... Have you seen the new one with the the stand-in who says, And me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. no? Oh, i got going to start watching commercials. I usually pay for that service where you don't get commercials. i got to start paying attention to the ones that I do get commercials on.
0: See? Uh, the I'm a big fan of the Liberty Mutual commercials. I I think those guys are brilliant. I don't
1: know. Maybe they'll show it on the Super Bowl during the Super Bowl, uh, so I can see him then.
0: They probably have a new one for the Super oh. Bowl. Oh, I got to think they they're probably rolling out a new one. But mm. yeah, because you, you, you now you have to have seen the the one where where Doug is reading his lines and the 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 standing comes in, and he's about to be crushed by a piano, right? No, I haven't. No? No! Boy, are you behind, Mally? I got to go get on
1: YouTube and start watching these videos.
0: So Doug is standing there and he's reading his lines and he says, and then Doug gets crushed by a piano. And he goes, wait a minute, are you guys getting rid of me? And then the stand-in, you remember the stand-in, the one who's like, lee-boo-bee-boo. Yes. The guy who can't pronounce anything? Uh Uh-huh. that Which is pretty much me in real life. (laughs) Um but he's, he's standing there and he's, he, and he goes, oh, look, a bibu. And he points at, he <laughs> points at limu, imu, right? Uh-huh. In yeah. the corner. And he goes, oh, look, a bibu. right? So in the new commercial, it's just the stand-in and uh-huh. he's, he's saying all these nonsense words and he goes, libu, bibu, and me, instead of, <laughs> and, li- Doug. and instead of limu, imu, and Doug. Uh-huh. Right? So he goes, libu, bibu, and me. <laughs> so I've been walking around the house at random, just saying to myself "libu and me, with nobody around, just because gotcha. I think I'm descending into madness. <laughs> um, but then now the latest one is just this lady on the pier. You know the the pier that looks over right. the Statue yeah, of Liberty. Yeah, Statue
1: of Liberty in the background.
0: Yeah, and it's this lady and her sister. We assume, and uh, she's talking about the great insurance deal she got, and and then. uh, she's like oh you taught the baby how to talk and she goes oh she only says one word or something to that effect and the little baby goes liberty um and she keeps saying liberty over and over and over again she goes well how many people did you you know tell her to say this word to yeah i don't know it's a nonsensical commercial but the baby (laughs) just keeps saying liberty ah yeah it's the only word she knows
1: (laughs) i'll have to keep an eye out because i'm
0: missing out on all these commercials see I think I watch too much TV. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Liberty hasn't paid for a goddamn thing in this podcast.
1: Next week you'll be like, and I would like to present our ad from Liberty Mutual. (laughs) That's
0: right. So Liberty Mutual, if you'd like to sponsor this podcast, get a hold of audio boom.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I'm your just, hashtag, Liberty Mutual. That's
0: right, Libu, Bibu, and me. Because essentially, you've just gotten th- like three free minutes <laughs> on this deal. You know who I should mention? Why, why we're doing an ad here in the middle of a story? Uh-huh. Um, miracle made, miracle made, yeah, miracle made sheets.
1: Oh yes, you were just telling me about them.
0: Yes, yeah, I, but which, by the way, I had a, a wonderful night of sleep on miracle made sheets. Ooh, are
1: they soft? Oh my god, are they soft, Molly? Really.
0: They're Ooh. they are above hotel grade sheets. Nice. They're almost as soft as silk sheets. Ooh. They are so good. They're inspired by NASA. They Ooh. are they they are the type of sheets that kill bacteria. So you, nice. you don't have to wash them. I, not not that you don't have to wash them. You, you don't have to Just wash them. Just as frequently? Yeah, not as frequently. So a third less. As other sheets, mm-hmm. they're amazing, and we actually have a we got a little deal on them right now. so so nice. in fact, I'll let me let me grab the uh, the website here for you because they are simply amazing. They are amazing. Do they
1: sheets. come in one color or can you get them in multiple colors? You can get them in multiple
0: colors. I have three sets of these sheets. I have uh-huh. now you're gonna think this is funny because this is how quirky I am. I have three sheets. i have a I have a California king bed. OK, uh-huh. so I have two two sets of gray California King sheets, uh-huh. one set of gray sheets that when they're in the washer, I can put the other set of gray California King sheets on my bed uh-huh. and then I have a set of gray. OK, so there you go. That's that's kind of it's uh, kind of how I roll. <laughs>
1: <That's>, <laughs>
0: but there you go. Um But Miracle-Made sheets are amazing, folks, and here is how you get a hold of them. If you go to trymiracle.com slash darkness and use the code darkness, not only will you get a free three-piece towel set, you'll save over 40% on those sheets. Nice. Yeah. That's a great deal. Yeah, it is. So not only do you get the free three-piece towel set, you save over 40%. Try miracle.com slash darkness. These are the softest sheets mm. that you'll ever, ever be on. And you also save an extra 20% as well. So um, I can't stress it enough. And, and folks, I had these sheets before they even advertised. I've had them for a couple of years. So they're, they're amazing. They, they are antibacterial sheets, and not only will they help you with keeping your pores clean they'll help with acne and things like that you'll find you won't have dust mites you won't be Ooh. sneezing as you're as you're sleeping at night um you'll find that your sleep is much deeper and you'll sleep cooler
1: oh i like that when the sheets are yeah yeah. Because you get those night sweater people.
0: That's right. You'll sleep cooler. You'll sleep more comfortable. It's designed for your skin. You won't be sleeping on bacteria, no clogged pores. You're sleeping cleaner. It's just they're great sheets. They're amazing sheets and they're amazingly soft. So you're gonna love it. Thermal regulating antibacteria sheets. Miracle made. Try them out. Try com slash darkness. Get that discount, get those free towels. Try them out today. Okay, so now we've done that. We've done that. Uh, we can go back to our story now. Okay. There we go. So we're talking about rumors circulating about uh, the James Webb telescope mm-hmm. and um, and about uh, supposed life on this supposed planet. They won't tell us what planet, though. Nicole Colon with a K-N. I don't know what her deal is. Because they're teasing us. That's right. She just says future missions will be needed to conclusively establish the habitability or habili- ability, 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 That's how we
1: went on the tangent. I was trying that's to figure right. out how did we get to <laughs> a that's right. commercial. But that's, that's right. That's why.
0: That's right. It's,
1: okay, we brought it back around, though.
0: That's right. Hability, ability, ability, uh, ability of an exoplanet. It's an answer worded to tamp down any out-of-control rumors, but it certainly leaves the door open to some exciting possibilities. A no, but not a hard no, is what they're saying. Okay. So there you go. So James Webb may have found life on another planet. We may find out in a couple years just which one. Unless they come to us first.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah.
0: Meanwhile... There's someone, a woman out there, who was taken to social media and said that she was abducted by aliens as a teenager, and she still has recurring nightmares. Oh. She's taken to social media to share her mom's creepy encounter with aliens as a teenager and says she has still recurring nightmares about being abducted a woman has shared a chilling tale about her mom being abducted by aliens when she was a teenager she revealed her mom and her friend Lisa saw a bright light in the sky while hanging out on a roof and then three hours mysteriously passed she said next thing they know the light is gone The thing is, they think they've been on the roof for like 15 minutes, but then something like three hours passed. That's a direct quote from her. Her mom couldn't remember what happened during that time, and Lisa refused to talk about it. After losing touch for about 10 years, her mom met up with Lisa again and noticed she seemed very distant. The woman added on Reddit, Lisa had a very dreamy demeanor. I don't know what that means, a very dreamy (laughs) demeanor. Uh, Like she was... Really happy and at peace for no good reason. After they talk for a bit, Lisa brings up the incident on the roof. Mom says she doesn't really remember anything about it, which is odd. But Lisa remembers. She remembers everything. She said that at first it was all in bits and pieces and she couldn't remember any of it clearly. She was confused and scared and wanted to avoid discussing it. Then as time passed, she began to remember more of it. Lisa claims to clearly remember being abducted another three times, Mally. Wow. Yeah. And building a friendly relationship with the aliens. Every time she meets up with Lisa, she tells mom she will one day come to understand the truth. But her mom usually shakes off these types of comments. She said when mom asks her what the truth is, Lisa just says that you will know eventually. And she says that once she learned of the truth... Then everything became wonderful. Sounds like a lot of hippie talk, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mom has seen her a few more times over the years. We still live in another state from her, she says. And she apparently has a pretty normal life and doesn't, like, obsess over alien stuff like some supposed alien abductees do, she says. She only ever brings it up in passing, not like it's a central part of her daily life. Commenting on her post, one user said, I'm always curious about this knowledge about space and history that the aliens tell them about. Another user added, so Lisa suddenly remembers everything after she becomes spacey and dreaming. I always bullshit people when I'm high, a third user added. (laughs) I want to know the truth. Interesting. Interesting.
1: Have you ever seen that Saturday Night Live skit where it's it's with uh is it Kate McKinnon? Yes,
0: Kate McKinnon, and
1: yeah. it's like the two people have a like wonderful experience about being abducted by aliens, aliens, and then she's like the worst, like shot up you know yes. violated like all of this stuff and they're like oh it was like being on a bed bed of like cotton fluff you know and they showed us the humanity of the greatness of the world and blah blah. blah. And she's like i spoke and brought it and then sit <laughs> back out but up in a field of yes. you know whatever
0: <laughs> when when she left the show last season the way they uh-huh. they had her leave was hysterical where they they were like well we have to sacrifice one of you to the aliens. And it ended up being Kate having to go off with them for good. Uh, it was just hysterical. She's like, well, I guess that means that's me. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was just, it was too funny. I, you know, it's, it's funny that, and, and that skit was so funny because it's so ironic and so true in that, you know, you have the people that are like, Oh, it was such a beautiful experience and it mm-hmm. the light and they're here to help us. And you always have the one that's had the totally ironic, horrible, <laughs> yeah. you know, one had me by the bung, the other by the, you know. Yeah. 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 And you know, that's the person who suffered the most that never gets their story <laughs> out, except yeah. to a few friends. Um, but yeah, the, the, the key to that, that that whole bit is to not get the other ones cracking up. But it's always.
1: Oh, the, they always laugh. They always yeah. crack up. Every time that skit comes on. They are always laughing.
0: Oh, and the the interviewers have it the worst because they have oh, to yep. they have to ask the straight question and then they have <laughs> to try to be just stoic and they can't do it. <laughs> Those are the best bits ever. Yeah, oh. yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. Um, well, here's one you have to try and remain stoic through uh, Mally. as Is I, this AI. No, no, no. This is the,
1: okay. not yet. Not yet. We're still in Talk the- about stroke and I'm embracing myself. <laughs> no, we're still
0: in <laughs> aliens, but I have to say the words whiz air flight attendant. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. Have you ever flown whiz air?
1: No, I've never heard of whiz air. <laughs>
0: it's over in England, I believe. Okay. Uh, don't ever make me fly whiz air, please. Um, the fact that... Uh, you know, you'd have to keep it in your pants with Wiz Air is beyond Jeez. me. Uh, a Wiz Air flight attendant films a UFO flashing pink <laughs> in the sky during a trip from a UK airport. It's just the fact that someone's flashing pink with Wiz Air is is funny enough for me. 36-year-old Denisa, I believe this is Tenaze, was working on a flight from Luton to... Is this... Boy, I'm going to butcher this. My Polish is horrible. Szymane? In Poland? (laughs) I don't know. When she spotted a stunning view out of the window and grabbed her phone to take a video, a flight attendant filmed what she believed was a UFO from a whiz airplane. (laughs) I tried not to smash that together.
1: Uh it's, It's
0: hard not to. It's a whiz air plane.
1: Plane. Gotcha.
0: Right. Uh... Denisa Tanez has said she captured the unidentified object on camera while flying over Europe. She was working on a flight from Luton to I don't know how to say this in Poland. We'll just A let place it go. in
1: Poland. A place in Poland.
0: <laughs> when she decided to film the amazing view from the cabin window, it was only when she looked back at the footage later on that she noticed something else on the phone screen. The 36-year-old spotted an object that looked like nothing she'd ever seen before. Denisa from Corby, North North Ants, Ants, uh, said, I've been a flight attendant for years or a year rather, and I've never seen anything like this. She added, I couldn't see anything with my bare eyes, but when I checked the video 20 minutes later, I spotted it. I spoke to the pilot to ask if they knew anything. It was a weird shape, like a circle flashing pink, not flashing pink, the singer, but you know, it was a Mm -hmm. circle that was flashing pink colors When she told fellow members of her crew later, uh, they were also baffled as they hadn't noticed anything unusual during the flight. And there had been no turbulence, Denisa went on to say. I'm going to show you a picture here, Mally, of what this looks like, if this will hold still. Uh, That's what she said. What? (laughs) Let's
1: see here. Excuse me.
0: Here is the picture right here. Do you see that little bit of pink at the top
1: there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not like a f- like a flare, like a
0: No, it kind of looks like it would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But it's not
1: huh. Cuz I was going to ask you at first, you know how like when the sun starts to set and you sometimes get that pinkish sky, maybe that was like reflecting on something, but it's pretty dark there. It looks
0: like the set of the old Friday night videos uh background. You know how they had like uh-huh. the, you know, you've got the you've got the if you can imagine looking out of a plane at night or, or at sunset, and you've got the ground all lit up, and then you've got the sunset in the background, that little pinkish layer in the background, and then up in the sky, you've got a bright pink UFO being back or underlit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But you're right, it looks like it could be a reflection off this uh, sunset on yeah. the bottom of something. It was suggested that the object might be a reflection of their pink uniform caught in the window. Nah, I don't think it's that. But the motion in the video suggested that it was indeed flying. Despite being puzzled by what she caught on film, Denisa wasn't scared or worried about the footage. She has always been curious about the possibility of alien life and now feels more convinced than ever. The mother of two added, I was just happy that I got something on film. I thought, how is this possible? She concluded, I've seen stuff before on the internet and thought, hmm, this could be Photoshop, but I had it on video myself. Now, I definitely believe more than before. My family and friends think it is definitely aliens. My husband said, You're my wife. I believe you. Okay, now I have a different photo here.
1: God, if my husband always said that to me, You're my wife. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Be a happy marriage, would not
1: it? I know it'd be a happier marriage. Uh, take a look at that. Yeah, it's kind of got an aura around it. Yeah, isn't that weird? Huh? Almost looks like a curly Q, kind of like a because of the shadowing. Yeah. Huh. Weird. It's, it's very interesting. I'll give that, it that one's more interesting that picture than the previous picture.
0: Yeah, because it's yeah, it, it kind of cur- the lights kind of curl under if you can imagine this is going to be kind of a gross thought, but if you can imagine a donut you sit on when you have hemorrhoids and, in the, in the underside of it is, has lights on it and it curls up towards the top. That's, that's kind of what it looks like. Yeah, I know. Gross image, Tim. Uh, Denisa, who's flown around Europe with whiz air, hasn't seen any more UFOs since last week. She continues to work on the Hungarian budget airline as usual. Oh, so, Wizz Air is a Hungarian budget airline. Okay. Okay.
1: That's probably why I haven't heard of it.
0: Yeah. We don't go to Hungary very often. (laughs) No. We're we're not big Budapest travelers. (laughs) Uh, Almost 1,000 UFO sightings have been documented across the UK in the last two and a half years. The Mirror has published a map which reveals the activity taking place in the skies above you, so you can work out whether you could travel to maximize your chances of seeing something a little odd. That's nice of them. Good for the mirror. Um, let's see here. Oh, here's an interesting story, Mally. We're back. We're still in the alien category of supernatural news here today. Alien beings could actually be extra dimensional angels, according to one U.S. official. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, we have all got theories and uh uh-huh. some of us have different theories and others. This is a congressman, Eric Burleson has had a complicated history when it comes to strange claims about the veracity of aliens and UFOs visiting Earth, and his latest comments haven't helped, (laughs) according to this headline. A United States official has claimed that aliens and UFOs might actually be extra-dimensional angels. Congressman Eric Burleson, who represents Springfield, Missouri, home of the Simpsons, uh, was making an appearance on That UFO podcast when he made the bold claim And he did so just a few weeks after he attended a highly classified government briefing about UFOs. Speaking to the podcast, he said, they may not fit exactly the biblical narrative, but whenever I use the term angels, he said, to me, it's synonymous with an extra-dimensional being. I think it's more likely that it would be something extra-dimensional, that it would be within this dimension. And then, so what I'll say is that when you start talking about things in that nature, that they're extra-dimensional. Well, in a lot of different scriptures, including the Bible and others, that's really the way you describe messengers of God or, you know, angels. Is any of this making sense to you so far, Mallie?
1: Well, I mean, I've heard people think that angels, you know, they're and it's not what we grew up with, like in church and stuff. That's actually aliens rather than, you know, something from heaven or. Whatever.
0: Yeah, I hear you. Despite the comments, he had previously stated that the classified briefings had not changed my worldview. That's according to Burleson. And in referencing the testimonies given to the U.S. government about aliens and UFO sightings, he told the Kansas City Star, I believe the veracity of the claims of the people who testified in the public hearing. Now, that being said, I believe that what they believe they said is true. To further muddy the Eric Burleson-shaped waters, back in august of 2023 he claimed that he had a hard time believing that aliens had technology capable of reaching earth but he added in my opinion i think it's either angels or it's man-made i think the most likely explanation is that it's man-made so to sum up aliens are either angels or man-made but definitely most aliens say it says a man given a classified briefing about aliens and ufos so hmm. there you go that's eric burleson's point of view Interesting, huh? Mm-hmm. And that's how we'll leave this portion of Supernatural <laughs> News. We'll leave you scratching your heads. Tell you what, we'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to dump into AI a little bit. We'll talk about how BMI is trying... BMI. <laughs> what am I doing?
1: You're making me cough. We'll talk about how... BMI.
0: B- yes, BMI. <laughs> we'll talk about how BMW is... Taking AI and creeping you out even further at your job, we'll also talk about something that Bruiser brought up a couple of weeks ago: how AI has totally ruined George Carlin for everybody. Oh, that's coming up after the break. Also, uh, Nessie has has bared herself in 2024. We have our first Nessie sighting of 2024, and how black bears. And Bigfoot sightings go hand in hand. That's coming up after the break. And we'll leave you today with the weirdest story you have heard all year. I know this sounds like an episode of The Twilight Zone, but we'll put it to you this way. And it goes like this. I know I read it off for you earlier, Mally. It goes a little something like this. A doctor injected dogs and rabbits with bacteria from an assassinated U.S. president in a bizarre autopsy experiment.
1: (laughs) Sounds like one of those movies you find late at night.
0: It does. And Ziggy's Picks. We'll talk to you about uh, how the psychic experiment is going and how everybody did this week. So that's all coming up on the second half of the program. You're listening to Supernatural News and Parashare right here on a Supernatural News Wednesday on Darkness Radio. Welcome back to the best in paranormal podcasting. This is Darkness Radio on a Wednesday. Supernatural News and Parashare with Tim and Malley. That's right, the Bruiser is on a little bit of a mini vacation this week. So, it's that time, Mally. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I have to do it. I don't mean to do it. But it's time for a little nightmare fuel. BMW, not BMI, Malley. <laughs> <laughs> has unveiled a creepy AI humanoid robot set to enter the workforce. As they're slammed as a sci-fi disaster right off the assembly line. These bots will play a simple role in the workplace. I got to tell you, here's a here's a mock-up of what these things look like. How would you like to be on the assembly line next to these things?
1: No, thank you. Yeah, kind of creepy. It looks think. like um, what was it? Was it AI? The movie that. They kind of look like that. A little bit, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. They're not, they're not friendly-looking things. Uh-uh. I don't know why they don't put like happy faces on these things. Would you be more inclined to work next to a robot that had a happy face on it?
1: Probably. I would
0: think so. I would be. Uh, the robots are developed in partnership with a company called Figure, based in California. Figure is designing the bots for difficult, unsafe or tedious tasks in the manufacturing process. BMI and figure, on BMI, listen to me, I can't <laughs> stop saying it. BMW and figure claim that the humanoids will allow employees to focus on more important tasks. In a press release, the companies say the robots will allow for continuous improvement in production efficiency and safety. Singular purpose, robotics. Have saturated the commercial market for decades, but the potential for general purpose robotics is completely untapped, said Brett Brett Adcock, founder and CEO of FIGURE. That poor man. FIGURE's robots will enable companies to increase productivity, reduce costs, and create a safer and more consistent environment, Adcock added. I think he was teased in school.
1: Probably. Yeah. Kids can be cruel.
0: That's why he's building an army to kill us all.
1: Probably. It's his revenge.
0: Yep. We look forward to working side by side with BMW manufacturing to integrate artificial intelligence and robots into automotive production and eventually crush us all. He didn't put that last part in. I <laughs> did. In the first phase, Figure will identify use cases to apply the robots in automotive production. The second phase, comprises stage development at BMW's manufacturing facility in South Carolina. So if you live in South Carolina, you're the first target. Beyond those two phases, BMW manufacturing and figure plan to explore advanced technologies such as AI, robot control, manufacturing, virtualization, and robot integration. It just sounds evil. You know?
1: I just think we need to cool it with this AI stuff. Yeah. Slow down the process. A
0: little bit. A little bit. Mm -hmm. The automotive industry and with it the production of vehicles is evolving rapidly," said Dr. Robert Engelhorn, uh, who has a snifter of brandy every evening at five p.m. He just sounds like a guy who does. He's also the president and CEO of BMW Manufacturing. BMW Manufacturing is committed to integrating innovative technologies in our production systems to drive our future forward as an industry leader and innovator, and eventually crush all humanity.
1: I just feel bad for people that are on the, you know, they work at these manufacturing companies. They're working the line, and now their jobs are going to be taken by these strange-looking robots.
0: That's right. So say it with me real quick, Mally, uh, just like they do in South Park.
1: <laughs> Essentially,
0: that's what they're going to do over there at mm. BMI. BMI, BMW. BMW. <laughs> BMI is body mass index
1: i know that's why i keep laughing I keep
0: saying it. why can't i say bmw today
1: i have no idea
0: BMW bmw w w
1: <laughs> just walk around your house w w
0: boy roy Finden would be disappointed in me today roy Finden was, he? he was the instructor over at brown institute <laughs> He would say, Tim, it's BMW, W, 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 W. Not BMI, BMW, W. <laughs> furniture barn, furniture barn, <laughs> furniture barn, BMW, W, W. I'm doing my broadcaster exercises now. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Is AI the future of stand up comedy? Well, if it is, we can resign right now, O'Malley. <laughs> <laughs> As Bruiser told us, there's an AI George Carlin stand-up special that says otherwise. It was truly horrible. So horrible that supposedly his daughter came out and said it was horseshit. Oh, really? Yeah. Amid concerns about human artists being replaced by AI, experts say the hour-long special showcases the limits of AI and humanity's fear of letting anything truly die. Comedian George Carlin recently dropped his first new stand-up comedy special in 16 years. It definitely came as a surprise to his hardcore fans and even his family, considering the comedian died in 2008. It was generated by Doodsy, an AI that hosts the Doodsy podcast, along with comedian Will Sasso and podcaster Chad Culkin. The hour-long special was entitled, George Carlin, I'm Glad I'm Dead. Oh, Ooh, that's kind of harsh, isn't it?
1: Yeah, just a tiny bit.
0: It attempts to resurrect the late comedian to offer his thoughts on contemporary topics like social media, mass shootings, Taylor Swift, and, of course, AI. It almost immediately sparked pushback from fans and the general public, including Kelly Carlin, the comedian's daughter. Conversation about how AI will be used ethically in the arts. And beyond has been swirling since the technology started to become more publicly available over the last few years with tools like ChatGPT gpt and e but the ai carlin stand-up special added fuel to the fire bringing up concerns about whether ai will replace human artists so is ai carlin sign of things and that the future of stand-up comedy will really be just an array of AI-generated ghosts of comedians' past? Well, according to Michael Ann DeVito, an assistant professor in Curry College of Computer Sciences at Northeastern University, we're a long way off from that ever being a reality. If anything, the Carlin special proves the limits of AI, she says. On a technical level, there's no additional creativity whatsoever, and you can actually see that in the performance that this thing puts out, DeVito says. Dude, see the AI behind the special that is operated by a company that remains nameless, likens its AI Carlin to an impression at the beginning of the special. It claims that it listened to all of George Carlin's material and did my best to imitate his voice, cadence, and attitude as well as the subject matter I think would have interested him today. DeVito says the AI Carlin likely correctly guesses Carlin's views on most of the issues tackled in the special in part because of how outspoken Carlin was it also nails Carlin's cadence she says because cadence is something you can map out over the course of a conversation in numerical fashion but when it gets to generating the underlying meaning of a stand-up comedian there are still limits Carlin told you this story that introduced a lot of characters in a surprising level of detail and then hit you with a hard truth that you may not have expected or more often didn't want to hear and he felt you needed to hear DeVito says that can't be replicated by the AI that is too nuanced for the AI. The structure of the special seems to be to put the headline of the take George Carlin would have produced and then put that up with a lot of cheap shots and how, and low hanging fruit to justify it instead of the storytelling with the punch at the end, DeVito adds. It's still getting to the same conclusions. It's just getting there artfully. Or inartfully, rather.
1: So the delivery is not good.
0: Right. The delivery is not good. The punchline's even worse. <laughs> uh, DeVito says the special, again, raises questions about whether AI generated art fits within existing copyright laws. In the statement released on X or Twitter, Carlin's daughter made it clear she and her family did not sign off on the use of Carlin's likeness. Uh, But even without that black mark against AI Carlin, there are lingering ethical and legal questions about the data being fed into those AI models that in some cases have been trained on illegal material. For Kansu Kanka, director of responsible AI practice at Northeastern's Institute for Experimental and Experiential AI and research associate professor in philosophy. Uh, stories like this raise a bigger question. And that question is, why do we even achieve anything or get anything for replicating the same artists, Kanka says? Maybe an artist has a lot more to say, but we have absolutely no idea how they would have said it because their existing creative work does not necessarily tell us how the changes in the world would have affected their worldview and their perspective. We just don't know what their take would have been if they would have continued to interact in this, in this world in this bidirectional way. Uh, when we try to extend their work using AI, we are not actually hearing their individual perspective anymore. So what are we then holding on to? Which is a good question.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, Mally, what do you think? Do we extend... An, an artist with AI or we did, do we just let it die?
1: This AI is getting out of control. Did you, did you see, there was an article, so Kelly Clarkson lost a lot of weight, right? Yes. But they did AI, like it was AI generated, where she was saying that she lost weight by using gummies, some type of gummies. Yeah. So yeah. all those people were buying the gummies yeah. and then she had to say, no, that was not me. I did not say that. You know, I think she lost it by, you know, exercise and eating differently or whatever. Yep. But this company, and I don't know if she's going to sue him, but this company did AI making it look like she was saying I lost all my weight by, you know, these gummies.
0: Yeah. By using deep fakes. They yeah. Can do that. It's
1: yeah. I mean, it's scary how real it looks. But I think, you know, with these you know, comedians and stuff that have passed on, just let it be. Yeah. Don't you, There's. It's not necessary to to do that. I don't think to have these shows.
0: Well, Kelly Carlin, George Carlin's daughter, and this will be the final word on this, said, let's let the artist's work speak for themselves. Yes. She went on and said, humans are so afraid of the void that we can't let what has fallen into it stay there. Here's an idea. How about we give some actual living comedians a listen to? But if you want to listen to the genuine George Carlin, he has 14 specials you can find anywhere.
1: Right, And she probably... I would think, you know, with his intellectual property, she probably makes money off of it. Sure. So yeah, yeah just let it be yeah. done.
0: Absolutely. Just let it be and let George be what he was. Uh-huh. And he has lots of good material out there that you can still listen to. Right. And the fact of the matter is, and a lot of a lot of comedy um students, a lot of a lot of people who are Uh, comedy enthusiasts will agree George Carlin's second to last or last specials were very dark Mm -hmm. Um, he was turning the corner at the end of his life he even he himself was very cantankerous at the end of his life and I think he was about done you know at the the end of his life he wasn't I don't think he was enjoying this life so I you know I, I don't think there was much left for him to offer at the end. Okay, you know, I, I think. Yeah. At the end, it, you know, I think he was, he was fine with his life at the end. I think that, um. I think he, he offered what it was he had to offer, and that last special that he did, I think, was really, um, it's a good way of putting this. The last special he had to offer was kind of his parting shot at the world, and it was a bitter parting shot at the world. Mm -hmm. And I I think that that pretty much tells you the state of mind he was in. We didn't need to hear any more from George Carlin at the end. You know, we, we didn't need the AI version. And I think the the best we can do if you really need to see something live and in person is. You know, if you want to do the hologram tour thing where you play his old stuff back like a recording uh-huh. and see him live and in person with a hologram, okay, sure. If you need to do the greatest hits tour, that's fine. But we don't need anything new and original. Yeah. You know, that, then we'll do it that way, you know. I, I still am kind of creeped out by the Kiss avatar thing. I, I, I don't get what they're doing with that, but that's that's a whole new thing and a whole different topic that we can talk about a different time. Um, let's move on there's, there's a story out there that uh, is kind of unusual there's a former cop that's sharing two different paranormal experiences that they've had it's um, kind of a different story here it's uh, being published by Outkick.com an Outkick reader and former cop is sharing two insane paranormal experiences that they've had um David Hookstead is the reader of Outkick who reached out to the periodical. The story number 1 goes the first story from Fred. I guess Fred is the name of the the guy who had the uh the cop who had the experience revolves around a creature hitting his squad car while he was on patrol in 1982 story goes like this on patrol one evening during a typical cool evening a dense fog bank settled in and i had to sign out of service simply because i couldn't see the road for more than a dozen feet or so so i started to do some normal paper paperwork and something ran into the front left fender of my patrol car whatever it was was large enough to shake my patrol car and i saw it fall down apparently injured I exited my car and assumed it was deer or a small bear. When I got out of the car, I saw a dent in the fender, and when I got to the front of the car, I saw a creature lying on the ground. Fred explained to me, A creature on the ground, folks. Wow. Fred further elaborated, It was moving, and when it stood up, I certainly knew it wasn't a normal animal of any type. It was kind of oval-shaped and with long spindly legs and arms and with rather long feet and hands with equally long fingers and toes. It was a dull gray color all over with no visible hair or fur. It started to walk away slowly, and after a few steps it moved rather fast into a nearby yard, and then I lost sight of it. I assumed I was doing this over maybe 15 or so minutes, but when logging into service again, I discovered I was at that location for over an hour.
1: Oh, so you lost time.
0: Yeah. The experience was so jarring and stunning that it caused him to question what was going on. What I saw was definitely not the usual gray we hear so much about, and when I questioned my own experience, there was the dent in the car to show it was real. In my lifetime, I've seen three objects of unknown type, with this occurrence being the only being that I've ever encountered, that's in quotes. It was not hostile, and at best, I would say, It was simply curious, the now-retired former police officer explained. His story involving an unknown paranormal creature had definitely sparked my interest. This is what the author of the article says. I know someone back in Wisconsin who once called me so shaken after a similar experience. A few days later, it made the local news after some hunters allegedly encountered something similar. This was probably 20 plus years ago at this point. turns out Fred wasn't alone in his paranormal experience and saw footage of a creature sharing a similar resemblance to whatever hit his car. Here's the other quote, about two years ago, my wife and I were scanning the television looking for a show to watch, and we saw a fuzzy video taken by a person's security camera by their patio. It was grainy, but it showed a creature exactly like the one I saw in person, which at most was just outside my arm's reach. When I first saw the creature, I envisioned it with knees that were backwards, but the video I saw showed the knees were normal, but the legs were widely skewed or compressed. I figured if the legs were fully extended, they would make the creature appear to be seven to nine feet tall. But as it was, it looked like it was only a bit over five or six feet tall, Fred explained. I'll be the first to admit the details sound a bit crazy, but given my experience back in Wisconsin with my close contact and hunters, uh, I would—I was in a state of shock hearing Fred's story. That's what the author of this article says. It also wasn't the only one he shared. The next one is even crazier, and there's a bit of a military twist. Here's incident number two. It says, have you finished that beer yet? I suggest you go get another one because Fred's second story is absolutely wild. What's one thing I always say about UFO videos near military bases? I often speculate the unknown objects are highly classified and highly advanced military gear being tested. I still believe that's exactly what the infamous Tic Tac that outraced fighter jets was. Turned out Fred was has a bit of his own experience with something similar and you guessed it it happened right near a military location. In about and this is what Fred says, in about 1973 or so, New York State Parkway Police had a pursuit on southbound Meadowbrook Parkway chasing a vehicle well in excess of 100 miles an hour. Since my sector was mostly residential, my RMP was a standard vehicle and in no way capable of that kind of speed, so I simply sat at the nearest parkway exit to observe. Fred explained to the author when recalling the incident. Sounds pretty normal so far, right? Well, get ready for pure chaos. The pursued vehicle, Fred says, passed my location at about 130 130 miles per hour, and went under the overpass to one exit, just like you would imagine. After passing under the next exit, the vehicle went airborne and simply flew away. None of the overpasses are high enough for any type of airplane or copter. Since the area is swampy, marine units and divers searched the waters and found nothing, not even any tire tracks leading to the water. This pursuit was observed by at least a dozen officers, and not one has ever mentioned this until I did just now, Fred told the author of this article.
1: Well, would they have something on their dash cam, though?
0: I don't think this happened in a time with dash
1: cams. Oh.
0: Yeah. Sounds crazy, sure, but as it turns out, it happened right to a missile launch location. He further explained there was a Nike missile station a few miles south of this occurrence, and we assumed it had something to do with the military. The Nike missile base was in Lido, just east of Long Beach, New York. My memory of these occurrences is quite clear, and I could probably place you within 25 feet of exactly where I was when they happened. The United States had active missile sites at the time of the alleged incident in the exact area that Fred says that this happened in. We know thanks to countless videos, many UFOs and unexplained objects seem very interested in our military locations, new technology, or something more sinister. And it says here, We report, you decide. What do you think about Fred's stories about a paranormal creature or possible flying vehicle? Credible or too much for you to believe?
1: I don't know. I'm keeping an open mind. I mean, there's always a possibility. I think it's very interesting. Especially if there's a lot of witnesses.
0: Yeah. And I mean, if you call out a police force, that's a little too much to, you know, I mean, a little too many, little too many witnesses and too much to, even if you don't write it down in report form, there's too many people out on that scene to, to, um, to deny. You know what I mean? Uh huh. Yeah. Interesting stuff, that's for sure. That's for sure. Let's move on here, Mel. Uh, Our next story is a story that I said I would hold over until this week. And it's a bizarre story at that. Earth's last cannibal tribe butches those possessed by demons and eats them. (laughs) A little bit of an upset tummy after that. Yeah, just a tiny bit. Yeah, just a little bit. The Korowai people of Papua, Indonesia, are thought to be one of the last known societies to practice cannibalism, eating the bodies of those who are killed by evil spirits to protect them from further harm. Indonesia's last cannibal tribe is believed uh, to slaughter and chow down on folks that they think are possessed by demons. While accidents or murders are dealt with by police or coroners in most societies, the Korowai people of Papa have their own way. The tribal shaman carries out an investigation and often orders an act of ritual cannibalism to resolve the issue. That's a different way of dealing with an issue, I'll tell you that. (laughs) Uh, For the Korowai, evil spirits are named Kaka, and they live among us. Yeah, it tastes like Kaka. Yeah, they do, don't they? Uh, sometimes taking over human bodies to perform their vile acts. When a tribal member dies unnaturally, it's often attributed to the actions of a Kaka, uh, explains the Cultures and Peoples of the World podcast. According to them, these malevolent spirits pose threats not just to individuals, but to the entire community. The Korowai believe that to prevent the more unnatural deaths, they must eliminate the person who is possessed by the demon. These identified possessed individuals go through a process of spiritual discernment and consultation, after which they are ritually killed by the entire tribe. Okay, weird. Uh, Mm -hmm. This leads to the second part of the ritual, proving why the Korowai have earned the fearful title of the last cannibal tribe on earth. After a suspected kaka is killed, their body is eaten by the tribe. This act is not driven by a need for physical sustenance, but is a deeply symbolic gesture. Explains the podcasters. Here's a uh, here's a picture of your buddies right here getting ready to do a little tribal eating. There, mali <laughs> Figured I'd show you just in case you ever run into <laughs> the just in case you ever run into the Korowai. You know what they look like. Uh, the tribe's people don't kill the possessed person as punishment. Instead, it's seen as an act of mercy, freeing them from the demon within. The killing of the kakua, it's a kakua, not a kaka, it's a kakua. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, is considered a solemn and necessary act performed to safeguard the community's well-being, according to the podcast. The Korowai's hunter-gatherer lifestyle is believed to be Tens of thousands of years old. The Daily Telegraph reported that until the late 1970s, the Korowai didn't know other people had existed. They thought they
1: wow 1970s.
0: Yeah, they thought they were the only ones around.
1: Wow. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. A BBC camera crew visited them in 2007, and were seen as white ghosts who had come to warn them about the end of the world. (laughs) That had to be freaky.
1: Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. They're uh, luckily they left alive.
0: Yeah, right that they weren't eaten.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. The Korowai's world is slowly ending. Every day the modern world gets closer to their isolated territory, as more rainforest is destroyed for farmland, climate change al- also threatens their ancient way of life. How weird. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That wanna- they're so isolated.
0: I want to go down there and be a white ghost. I'll be like, I am white ghost. I come for some of your kakua.
1: <laughs>
0: I want to try your kakua. And by the way, can you put a little syrup on that? Because uh, I got kind of a, a icky tummy. I want to try your kakua. Just saying. Let's move on. A hospice nurse shares a phenomenon that people go through right before they
1: die. Okay. What do you
0: think that phenomenon is?
1: I don't, part of me, I mean, I really hope it is your, you know, deceased loved ones coming to get you. I don't want to think that it's just part of your brain, you know, making up stuff. I mean, I really hope it is, you know, the spirit of a loved one.
0: Yeah. Hospice nurse Julie McFadden has shared a phenomenon that she's witnessed very often during her time working in palliative and intensive care units and says it can often leave families crushed. Ooh, that's not good. When someone is terminally ill and begins receiving palliative end-of-life care and they go into hospice, there is next to no chance they will recover. Save for a miracle, their mind, body, and soul are getting ready to leave this earthly plane. Death itself is a mystery, although many people have died who have died and come back, something known as Lazarus syndrome, often remark that they feel an overwhelming sense of peace and calm. Now a hospice nurse, Julie McFadden, has shared another phenomenon that she's witnessed over her career working in palliative and intensive care units. Dressed in blue scrubs, she told her TikTok followers Here's one phenomena that happens during the death and dying process that medical professionals like myself cannot explain, she said in the video, calling the term the rally. She went on, this is when someone is really sick and almost towards actively dying, meaning dying within a few days, and then suddenly they look like they are better. They can manifest in different ways, but a lot of times they suddenly will eat, then suddenly talk, maybe even walk. They act like they're old selves. Uh, They have a little more of a personality, kind of laughing, talking, joking, but then suddenly they usually die within a few days after this, sometimes even that night, and it happens to probably a third of our hospice patients, so it happens quite a bit. We try to educate the family about this before it happens so it doesn't devastate them uh, when they suddenly pass after doing so well after a few days people watching were quick to agree with many citing gray's anatomy character mark sloan as a reference to this very occurrence fans of the show will remember that he was involved in a horrific plane crash that ended the life of his girlfriend lexi gray fans were convinced he would never come out of the coma but were left stunned when he woke up happy joking around and even reading his own medical notes however it was the rally of the surge and he ended up succumbing to his injuries not long after the miraculous recovery. Another hospice nurse commented, as hospice nurse, I tell the family that I believe it's nature's way of giving them time to say goodbye, enjoy, or complete unfinished business. And someone else shared, yet my husband, or yes, rather, my husband got on the lawnmower and mowed I love you into the lawn for me, and he passed three days later. mm mm-hmm. Have you ever experienced that with, with a loved one, Mally, The rally?
1: No, not where they seemed like they were getting better. Mm-hmm. But I did experience the for the few days before they passed that they started seeing people.
0: I have experienced the rally with one relative it, it, okay. in hospice. It it, it does happen. It, it seems like they're they get this little burst of energy and they're they're kind of they're back for a short time, but we, we were, we did have very good hospice care and they said, no, sorry, this is, they're, they're Um, getting there. This is the end. we were we were made aware very quickly. Don't get your hopes up. This is, this is just their way of saying goodbye. Um, Gotcha. And that they're going to go very quickly. It's going to happen within days. Uh, And, and you want to, you want to believe so, you know, so, Harshly that that the oh no, they're coming back. This is no no, you don't understand. This is a miracle. Right. But the hospice workers have seen so much, and they'll tell you, no, 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 sweetie, no. This is this is just this is just the quick burst of energy before they go. They, this is just nature's way or God's way of letting you know that, you know, of giving them that little little bit to let you know that they're leaving. Oh. So uh, it does happen quite often, more more times than not. So uh, it's just a way to prepare you to get you ready. So, and it it really is a gift. You shouldn't look at it as an unfortunate thing. It really is a right. gift to 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 get you ready.
1: So, but to have that little hope that maybe the hospice nurse is wrong, you know, that they are starting to get better.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, well, that's that's our mortal way of of wanting to. Wanting to keep them around, and 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 you know we we have a way of wanting to keep things and people with us, yeah. And we, it's 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 our way of of living in denial. You know, we 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 want things to to last and and keep things the way they are. And we can't live that way forever. You know, changes always happen. Change yeah. change is a constant. And I I think people. Uh, they 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 don't want to live with that philosophy because if you live with the fact that change is a constant, um, you never live in the moment. You know. Yes. And and a lot of people don't want to live in the moment. They want to, they want to look forward to things, or they want to look back on things. They want to be reminiscent, or they want to be optimistic. And and they don't appreciate the here and now. And, and really, we should be appreciating the here and now, because this moment is the only thing you have. It really is the only thing you have. So it's, uh, it's important to remember. And there is your hallmark moment for Supernatural News. <laughs> <laughs> With that, let's move on to the next story. Put away the tissues now. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, We go to the next, uh, the next story, which was probably a here and now moment for a Viking sword over a thousand years ago, but now it's just in the bottom of a riverbed in Poland, Mali. Um, but it was found by uh, a certain someone who got lucky with a new sword. <laughs> that's oh, the way, That's the way I look at it. Uh, the remarkably well-preserved sword was uh, described as a major archaeological sensation when it was found. According to reports, the sword was found quite by accident by a team of workers who had been dredging the bottom of the, I believe this is Visla River in the city of, is this... Roklicek? Poland? The Provincial Office for the Protection of Monuments was quickly notified about the discovery and the sword was taken to the researchers at the Nicholas Copernicus University in Torin for study. An initial analysis later determined that it was approximately 1,000 years old. We are dealing with a very delicate object and a very valuable one, said uh, WUOZ archaeologist Wojciech... Saznowski, I believe it is. The sword, it needs to be urgently conserved. Interesting. The situation is dynamic. We're only just collecting information about this object. While the sword has been typically referred to as Viking in origin, experts remain unconvinced. I don't know where the idea that the sword belonged to a Viking comes from, said another archaeologist. Robert uh, Grachowski told Gazeta daily without detailed research this is completely unjustified so one says it's a viking sword the other says it's not
1: well let's, let's stick to it's a viking sword because that's really cool <laughs> that is cool yeah uh, he says it is difficult to say
0: anything more than the fact that it is an early medieval sword no doubt further study over the coming weeks will help unravel the mystery of the sword's origin I'll show you a picture here Mally you tell me medieval sword viking sword
1: huh I don't know. I like the idea of Viking, though.
0: I do, too. I do, too. Although it kind of looks like a sword you'd see in Camelot.
1: Yeah, Eh, that's true when you say that.
0: Yeah, yeah. When I first looked at it, I thought, cool Viking sword. And then I looked at it and I went, wait a minute. That looks like something from King Arthur days. I don't know. It's, uh, it's, It's one of those strange things. Let's move on. Let's talk about Bigfoot sightings correlating with black bear populations kind of an interesting deal too because some people think that when you see a bigfoot sometimes you're just seeing a black bear uh-huh. so it's kind of an interesting little deal the idea that north america is home to a completely unknown primate species doesn't seem to go away years after everyone's uh, started walking around with high quality cameras in their phones there still haven't been any clear images of a bigfoot but that hasn't stopped a steady flow of purported sightings now someone named Believe this is Flowy Foxen, which is a hell of a name. <laughs> Sounds like a poor name. It does, doesn't it? Flowy, <laughs> F L O E. Flowy, right? F L O E. I flowey? think so. Flute, flow, flu, flow, flu, Flo- Flowy flu- uh, has followed up on an earlier analysis and checked for factors that could influence the frequency of Bigfoot sightings throughout North America. The results suggest that there's a strong correlation between sightings. And the local black bear population, for every 1,000 bears, the frequency of Bigfoot sightings goes up by about 4%. Okay. Very interesting. It's easy to see how black bears and Bigfoot could be mistaken for each other. Despite the name, the bears come in a wide range of colors, from a golden brown through a deep reddish one, as well as our namesake black. They're also large animals and will frequently stand on their hind legs to get a better view of their surroundings. They also frequent the forested areas that are supposedly Bigfoot's favored terrain. Foxen even quotes a reported Bigfoot sighting as saying that pictures were obtained, but one of the pictures looks like a bear.
1: I think for most of those, they are bears. You think so? I think so.
0: Yeah. Uh, Earlier work had used data from the Pacific Northwest to show that the presence of bears correlated with the frequency of Bigfoot sightings, but Foxen decided to expand the analysis bringing in the rest of the U.S. and Canada. The most recent comprehensive peer-reviewed data on black bear population dates from 2006, so the analysis was performed using data from that year. Even so, a number of states and provinces had to be excluded. Sadly, for Delaware, Hawaii, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Nebraska, North Dakota, and South Dakota, there were no known black bear populations in those states in 2006. And good population numbers weren't available for Rhode Island, Texas, Wisconsin, Wyoming, Alberta, Newfoundland, and Labrador, Northwest Territories, and Nova Scotia. So Mm -hmm. while the work is more comprehensive than the Pacific Northwest-only analysis, there were still considerable gaps. Data for sightings came from the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, or BFRO, which maintains a geotag database for reported sightings. National consensus data was used to determine the human populations in these areas. And estimates of the amount of forested area were also obtained from the Canadian and U.S. governments. So there you go. Kind of interesting data. Uh huh. So it may be a black bear. Or it uh, may be Bigfoot. But there's a 4% chance that they're one and the same.
1: Mm-hmm. So I mean, I believe that there is something out there like a Bigfoot, but I just believe with all of technology that we have, why have we not? gotten better evidence
0: yeah the fact that we're taking things with shaky cameras and not focusing yes. is, is alarming to say the least speaking yep. of shaky cameras and not taking things in focus Loch Ness has made its first appearance <laughs> in 2024 uh, as a hunter captures a supposed quote unquote daily routine Mal uh, Nessie Hunter Ian O'Fadigan who seems to take all these pictures actually Ian's, <laughs> Ian's the only one that manning the cameras over there at the research center uh, believes he has gotten valuable insight into the daily routine of the Loch Ness Monster, having captured the first official appearance of 2024. Ian O'Fanagan felt deja vu when he saw a 10-foot shape moving in Loch Ness while watching via webcam on this last Tuesday morning. He spotted the same shape before, but that was at sunset and it was going the other way, laying Ian to wonder if he's exposed to what the monster gets up to on a day-to-day basis which is interesting. He said, it's the first time I've captured it early in the morning, moving North. I previously captured it moving South late in the evening and near dark. We've discovered for the very first time that Nessie forages one way in the morning while light at a bare minimum and travels back well in the light of the evening. As it's diminishing, the question in mind is why and where is this creature going in the mornings and returning in the evenings in the same area of the lock. It is fantastic to get the first sighting of 2024, but it is also great to pick up on different patterns of Nessie's behavior that weren't known before through watching daily on the webcam. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, O'Fat again made his sighting using a webcam maintained by Visit Inverness Loch Ness at Shoreland Lodges near Fort Augustus, the loch's southern shore in his clip, which has been sped up for Brevity, something is plainly visible moving north at dawn, leaving a long wake in the water behind it. Footage he captured in November showed the same thing in reverse, an identical shape moving south just before sunset. The purpose of Nessie's commute is unclear, but Ian believes uh, that he could be setting out on the hunt for food. So there you go. That's that story there, the first sighting of Loch Ness in 2024. And with that, it's time now for Ziggy's Picks. Speaking oh, of cool. animals. Yep. We're, uh, the way this thing has worked, as you know, there are many psychic animals out there picking things like the <coughs> world cup. Uh, we figured if there's animals out there that are psychic, well, we might as well have some psychic animals in our reach as well. So we took our very own Ziggy star pup along with her sister, Talia, and we figured they might as well have the gift as well. And they've been picking NFL games all season long. And as a control, uh, Myself and Bruiser are picking NFL picks as well all season long, and we picked the NFL playoff games uh, this okay. past week. Here's how it broke down, Mali. One of us tanked. <laughs> one of us tanked badly. Uh huh. The rest of us went three and one this week. Oh. Yeah. Who, who,
1: who tanked? You're smiling. Was it you?
0: <laughs> no. Oh. Believe it or not, Ziggy went 0 and four. Oh, which is unusual because Ziggy's been doing really well this 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 year, but Ziggy lost all four games. That's shocking. It was I had an off day? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if Bruiser didn't feed Ziggy the treats or what happened, but <laughs> Ziggy went zero and four. Talia went three and one. Talia collect, correctly picked uh, the Ravens, the 49ers and the Lions. The Bills okay. the Bills Chiefs game was difficult for two of us myself and Talia. Okay. We both picked the Bills. Bruiser went 3 and 1 as well. He correctly picked the Ravens, 49ers and the Chiefs.
1: He didn't pick the Lions?
0: Nope. Shame on him. He picked the he picked the Buccaneers. Okay. I picked the Ravens, the 49ers and the Lions and I picked the Bills. Ah. So there you go. That's how this week broke down. Now keep in mind we have two games coming up next week. Uh-huh. And then of course the Super Bowl. So you can keep uh, and, and this is how the uh, this is how the postseason breaks down now. Postseason totals okay. and postseason percentage. If you want to see everything in its total total games, total pick percentages, and everything, you can go to Ziggy's Picks, uh, the Ziggy's Picks tab on darknessradioshow.com. You can see how the entire season breaks down for all four of us. With Ziggy's major bomb this week, Ziggy is 3-7 so far in the postseason for a 428 percentage in the postseason. Overall pick percentage, Ziggy is at 550 still. Can you believe that we have picked... 280 games this year
1: wow. wow zicky is 154
0: and 126 that's a lot of games for a dog
1: yeah <laughs> that's
0: all i gotta say there that's
1: a lot of treats
0: that's a lot of treats uh talia in the postseason is eight and two now oh yeah and has an 800 pick percentage in the postseason. Regular season, Talia is 546 and is at 153 and 127. 153 wins on the season for Talia.
1: Huh.
0: That's a a lot of games, Mally. Yeah. For a dog. On the regular season, Bruiser is 6-4 and and has a 600 pick percentage. Uh, I'm sorry, on the postseason. Postseason, 6-4, 600 pick percentage. Regular season, Bruiser has a 586 pick percentage, 164 and 116. And yours truly, six and four on the postseason, 600 pick percentage. Regular season, 176 and 104, and a 629 pick percentage. Okay. So there you go. You can see all the stats broke down like a mathematician <laughs> on darknessradioshow.com slash Ziggy's picks. And we will post the new picks shortly before game time on Sunday. So there you go. Big matchups coming up on Sunday, Mel. Your yep. your Lions taking on San Francisco. Yep. You got a pick?
1: <laughs> I think
0: I know where you're going.
1: <laughs> I mean I hope that it's the I hope it's the Lions because this state is so in love with the team. I mean they're whether they're losing or winning the state, I've never met so many diehard fans. Mm-hmm. So but this is totally change things around for for Michiganders
0: it has it has yeah and then of course um Ravens and chiefs I know a lot of people in Missouri that think chiefs are are gonna do it yeah yeah i I hate to disappoint them I think the Ravens are going to the Super Bowl this year i I maintain and I have a lot of friends in Michigan and I my heart's rooting for the lions but I I honestly think it's San Fran and, and the Ravens in the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, it helps when I think when the Lions have home games as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It so does. that atmosphere was amazing. Yeah. At Ford Field, it really yeah. was. Well,
1: and outside of the the stadium, it was nuts. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I live in a town where there's <laughs> more bars than people, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they were all packed. I mean.
0: We, yeah, You know what said it all, really, um, on Sunday was, was Hutchinson standing there and watching after the game and just being a, a native Michigander standing there and watching the reaction after the game of all those people from Michigan uh. cheering as loud as they could that win, knowing they were going to the championship game, knowing that that was going to be the last game they'd play at home. But, mm-hmm. but seeing the elation, knowing that that was the the first championship game since 1991, yeah, first time in 32 years that they're going to a championship game, and just seeing the elation, knowing that this team doesn't, this isn't you know a once in a decade thing, this isn't once every two decades, that this is something special, yep, and and just seeing the the reaction. And and just knowing that that they really just if it if it ends Sunday, right? That that state is going to be so proud of that team. Yep. And that this isn't going to be the end. That this isn't one and done. That uh-huh. this team is going to come back next year and is going to be just as strong. Yeah, they're going to have the same attitude and they're they're going to continue to kick butt. That they're building something special here. That. That look in his eye just said it all, you know, it really, it really, there's a look of pride there. That was really something special to see and something you don't see in NFL players and NFL teams. I mean, it's just a really special organization.
1: Yeah. Well, and I got a kick out cause I went to a birthday party on Sunday and everybody that attended the birthday party was wearing lion's gear. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean it, it's um there are very few fan bases I think left in the NFL that are that strong.
1: Uh-huh.
0: You know, they're just they're just are they're just not like that anymore. Um and it's because the NFL is a professional organization and there's no loyalty to their fan base. They're, they're there to sell tickets and make money. and Right. You know, it's, that's why the college game is so strong and, and yes. the, you know, the pro game is not because there's no loyalty to the fan base. There just isn't. So, but we're down to four and uh, it's going to be an exciting weekend. I know that. So. I know I'm going to be glued to my television. That's for sure. <laughs> that's It's going to be something special. We got two stories left here, Mally. And of course... Oh, you know what? Maybe we only... we I think we only have the one. Ah! No, we only have the one. We only have the one story left. I'm sorry. We only have one story left. And it is the weirdest story of the day. I gave you the headline earlier. And... Uh, This headline is bizarre. A doctor inj- injected a dog and rabbits with bacteria from an assassinated U.S. president in a bizarre autopsy experiment. This according to different documents. This sounds like something you'd see in The Twilight Zone. Right. Or in a late night movie.
1: And then what gave this guy the idea? <laughs> it's so out there. And it isn't the
0: president you'd think. When I say oh. when I say a US president, a deceased US president, which president do you think of?
1: First thought of Kennedy. Yes, Kennedy. With assassination, yeah.
0: Right. It's not.
1: Okay. Not Lincoln.
0: That's the second one you'd think. Right. It's not. You ready? Yeah. Newly unveiled documents belonging to the physician who carried out an autopsy of assassinated US President William McKinley. Yeah. Reveal an unorthodox experiment in which the doctor injected bacterial samples from McKinley into several pets. This just gets weird. Never before seen documents from an autopsy on assassinated U.S. President William McKinley reveal that after the president's death, a doctor performed unorthodox experiments in which he injected bacterial samples from the president's wounds into rabbits and a dog. The notes are now on sale for the first time.
1: That's so weird.
0: Isn't it? On September 6th of 1901, Leon Solgos shot President McKinley twice at close range while feigning to shake his hand at the Pan American Exposition in Buffalo, New York. The first bullet safely ricocheted off a button on the 25th President's jacket, but the second entered his abdomen piercing the front and back walls of his stomach. McKinley was then rushed to a nearby hospital where gynecological surgeon Dr. Matthew Mann performed surgery on the president. After initially uh, showing signs of making a full recovery and moving out of the hospital, McKinley's condition suddenly worsened and he died on September 14th. Uh, Solguls was later sentenced to death by the electric chair. Doctors said the cause of death was pancreatic necrosis or necrotizing pancreatitis, a complication in which part of the pancreas dies due to chronic infection, damage, or lack of blood flow. Mann was later criticized by numerous health practitioners for the surgery he performed. Reports indicate that that he left the bullet inside McKinley and did not properly clean or close the wound, which would have caused an infection that led to the necrosis. The fact that McKinley lingered so long before dying sparked widespread rumors at the time with speculation that uh, Zolguls had shot McKinley with poison or bacteria-laced bullets. Some conspiracy theorists still believe this today and also think that Zolguls, uh may have not been working alone. To downplay these rumors, a back. A examination was ordered in addition to the standard autopsy. Dr. Herman Matzinger, a leading expert on blood analysis at the time, carried out this extra examination and he concluded that no poison was used and that the necrosis was likely caused by the initial shooting and not the botched surgery. On January 9th of this year, the Robb Collection, an auction site for historical documents, listed a collection of Matt Singer's personal papers relating to the secondary examination, which, on which were recently discovered by the doctor's remaining family. The documents included a notebook, letters, and receipts of samples, telegrams, an annotated copy of his original report, and an invitation to a memorial service for President McKinley. They've been put on sale for $80,000. That's a lot. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. That's a lot to find out that McKinley wasn't poisoned. Yeah. Matzinger's documents mainly show how he came to the conclusions laid out in his original report, but they also include some surprises, including the unexpected pet experiments. This is where it gets interesting, Mally. In his notebook, Matzinger described how he grew whitish bacteria cultures from swab samples taken from McKinley's wound, then injected them into rabbits and a dog. It's unclear if these animals were his personal pets or laboratory animals, or how he thought that they would resolve the question of whether the bullets were laced with poison or bacteria. Weird. The paper won't say, or doesn't say, what happened to the rabbits, but Matzinger monitored the dog over the next few days, writing that its body temperature was around 104 degrees Fahrenheit, which is above the average for a dog, according to the American Kennel Club, but that it was acting well. That's in quotes. The documents also reveal... Details of how Matzinger examined the weapons and bullets used by Sogles and how the doctor analyzed McKinley's blood for signs of poison. Letters between Matzinger and Dr. P.M. Rixey, who oversaw the autopsy process, revealed that Rixey tried to hurry Matzinger for his results. However, the physician took his time reaching his conclusions. His final report was sent to Rixey on October 2nd of 1901, 18 days, rather, after McKinley died. The Matzinger Collection, which sounds like something you'd wear, not something yeah. that you'd... Yeah, uh, ext- you
1: find it on QVC.
0: <laughs> yes, it is on QVC. This is the Matzinger Collection by McKinley. Uh, provides an extremely rare insight into how autopsies of high-ranking people were carried out in the past. These types of documents are virtually impossible to find, Rob representatives wrote in the collection's listing. They are, quote-unquote, a treasure. How would you like to own... (laughs)
1: $80,000.
0: How would you like to own that $80,000 treasure, Mally?
1: I think I'm good. They They just told us what the results were, so I don't need to see his notes. (laughs)
0: So he took the bacteria from McKinley, injected uh, it into rabbits and a dog. The dog got 104 fever, but he was doing well.
1: Right, and there are no results for the rabbits.
0: No results for the rabbits. They just it's very
1: Frankensteinish sounding.
0: He did. He didn't even. He skipped the mice. Yeah, went straight to the rabbits. Well, I suppose the rabbits and the dog were probably the closest thing he could get to a human. He probably couldn't uh, get to a monkey. Yeah. It's interesting.
1: Yeah. I'll give them I wonder money. if anyone is gonna spend that amount of money. I'm so I'm so focused on eighty thousand dollars for that. <laughs> That's
0: a lot of money.
1: Yeah. To find
0: out how President McKinley died. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting. It's interesting stuff. I'll give it that. That'll do it though for Supernatural News for today. Tomorrow on the big show, we're going to uh we're going to get funky like a monkey with a speaker, so to speak. And I'm not talking about the person who's going to be on the show. I'm talking about how you actually hear ghost voices. Ooh, that'd be interesting. I'm talking about spirit boxes, Mally. Cool. We're going to dip back into the supernatural tomorrow. We've been, uh, we've been a little alien heavy lately. And we've been, uh, we've been doing some stuff with aliens Next couple of weeks, we're going to be dipping back into the spirit world. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking with Joshua Lewis. And with Joshua, he's got all kinds of interesting stuff with Instrumental Transcommunication, or ITC. We're going to be talking about finding hope in the afterlife. And we're going to talk about the Hope Spirit Box, HSB1. And we'll talk about the different... Evidence he's picked up. We'll also talk about his group, Helpers of Paranormal Entities, Hope, and other things. Joshua Lewis on the big program this week. Next week, we have an old friend coming to the program. Joshua P. Warren will be back on the program. And he's been working with two very famous haunted dolls. Okay. I'm going to hold on to that one until next week and we'll be talking to Joshua about those famous haunted dolls. Got some good stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks. Very cool. You're on the program. Yeah. So
1: He always has interesting experiments.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think this is going to turn some heads. So
1: It's a uh,
0: it's a couple of exciting weeks here on the program. Very cool. Looking forward to it. So if you have a guest that you'd like to hear here on the program, it's real simple. Just email me, Tim at Be glad to get him on the program. We have a lot of people contacting me lately wanting to be on the program.
1: That's a good thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So and I'm having a fun time uh, having a fun time going through the emails. So looking forward to some good quality programming here in the next few months.
1: Awesome. Yeah. So, Mally, what you got going on? um i think after i get off with you that didn't sound right did it get off with you <laughs> anyway and <laughs> like left my mouth and i was like wait a second um i'm gonna do what? some baking i'm ah. finally i'm on the up and up now with my health so i think i'm gonna do some baking
0: right on right on.
1: yeah i'm looking forward to it
0: you got a specific recipe you're thinking of
1: uh well I've got some pie crust that I gotta use up so oh. I think I'm gonna do something with Nutella <gasps> once again oh. I've got an idea I don't know if it's gonna work but I'm gonna try something
0: oh and folks if you're looking for if you're looking for Mali has the best drink recipes and the best recipes she puts them on paranormalgirl.com she's also got some amazing clothing too uh, on paranormalgirl.com check out her website anything anything trendy anything on on the edge anything that uh, you're looking for if you just want to be cool paranormalgirl.com <laughs> so check that out uh i am back at knsi th- this weekend knsiradio.com if you want to hear me blather on about uh news weather sports stuff like that Iradio.com.
1: And your good mornings.
0: And my good mornings. Yes, I'll be saying good morning to the masses on social media. So uh, just look out for a good morning. Uh, and don't be afraid to say it back on, <laughs> uh, on this Saturday. I'll look forward to hearing you say good morning. Uh, it makes my day on Saturdays. Aww. That's for sure. Yeah, I look forward to it. it
1: look makes at me- you smiling, it just makes thinking about it.
0: It makes me happy. I like hearing good morning from people. So... I like hearing good morning. It's, uh, it makes me happy. It makes me cheery. So, uh, But that'll do it for the big program, Joshua Lewis. Tomorrow on the big program, I look forward to it. I look forward to hearing from you as well. And we will see you tomorrow. From Allie Fox, I'm Tim Dennis. Thank you so much for listening to the best in paranormal podcasting. This has been Darkness Radio.